Welcome back to the Grand Valley Church Podcast, a community of faith in Brandon, Manitoba. We hope this message helps you meet Jesus and grow in faith. So a couple weeks ago, we launched into a new sermon series called Faith Steps, and we've been talking about what are some of the really tangible and practical ways that we can grow in our faith and take steps forward that help us to grow deeper in our walk with God. And we've been kind of having this kind of main thought through this whole part of this process, saying that if we want to grow in our faith, our outward lives have to match our inward beliefs. Because if we believe something, we have to live it out in order for it to be true. And sometimes if we want to grow in our faith, sometimes it takes that step of practicing and living something out first before it becomes a core belief that shapes who we are. And so through this series, we've been talking about kind of some different basic spiritual practices. We started off by talking about baptism, that it's this first step of declaring that Jesus is beginning to transform us. It's this very first response of saying, you know, Jesus is who he said he is, and I have this relationship with him, and baptism is just that first step. It doesn't mean you've got everything figured out. It doesn't mean you have your theology understood or scripture memorized or anything like that. It's just a first step. And then secondly, we talked about community, how our faith is not something meant to be lived alone. It's something that we need each other for on this journey. And then last week, we took communion here together, and we talked about how communion is this time where we remember what Jesus did for us. Many of the themes that we sung about this morning relate to communion and remembering what Jesus has done so that we can be in a relationship with him. But communion doesn't stop there. Communion is also about looking forward to what God is yet to do in our lives and in our world. And so today we're talking about one last faith step, one kind of big important one, and that is prayer. We're talking about how does prayer help us connect deeper with God. But before we launch into it, if you've got your uh, phone with you, I want to invite you to pull open the YouVersion Bible app and go to the events tab, and you can search for Grand Valley, and you can join in our event for today. You can follow along with our talk And there's also times where I've got some questions I want to ask you and get your thoughts and your perspectives on. And so you can type those in through the app and they'll pop up here on my screen. And we're going to have a discussion time together before we wrap things up. But today we're talking about prayer. And I want to start with this premise about our world is our world is very open to spirituality. In fact, our world is probably more open to spirituality than it ever was before. But our world is slowly becoming less open to Christianity. It's less open to understanding spirituality through the lens of Jesus Christ, through who God is. Now, usually, the reason for this is because sometimes the perceptions of Christianity is that this is just about rules and regulations and do's and don'ts lists, that it's, that it's not actually about a relationship. And so part of the, the task of, of us, part of the task of the church, is to, say, is to kind of call us back to, no, following Christ is about a relationship, It's about a depth of a connection with God. It's not just about rules and regulations. It's about a relationship. And so if you're here and maybe you have no connection to a church before, or maybe you just have some questions you want to wrestle through, that's one of the things I hope that we're able to share and to show with you is that walking with God is about a relationship. It's not about rules. See, back to this premise statement, our world is very open to spirituality But a lot of that spirituality is a self, 
centered. It's focused on ourselves. It's focused on whatever makes me feel good. And it's, a, it's, it's to be honest, it's, it's attractive because it's just about me. It's what I want. You know, my spiritual expressions of however I live my life should just be about what makes me feel good. And that's attractive. But the problem is, it's empty. It's hollow. It's lacking something deeper. Because if you just want more of yourself and more of how, how I understand myself, now self-awareness is a good thing, but if all I care about is my own desires, what we end up doing is we become so self-centered that we start cutting off the relationships around us. And like we talked about in our week on community, God wired us to be in relationships. God wired us to be in connection with one another. And the more self-focused we get, the more we cut down those relationships around us that God designed. See, we hunger for something spiritual because God designed us to have a spiritual nature of who we are. But God designed a way for us to fulfill and meet that spiritual need through him. And here's, here's an example of this. Even if someone is closed off to following Jesus, even if someone says, I want nothing to do with the church, it's extremely rare that someone will be closed off to prayer. It's extremely rare that someone, you know, if, they're, if you're sitting for a coffee with a friend and they're talking about, you know, I'm, I'm going through this situation with work or with home or whatever it is, and you offer, well, can I pray for you? It's extremely rare that they'll ever say, no, I don't want you to pray for that. Because even if they don't agree with you, even if they don't see things the same way you do, what they'll recognize is prayer is important to you and you want to have an impact in their lives. Now, they might be a little uncomfortable if you jump into like an hour-long prayer in the middle of a coffee shop. Like, I'm not recommending that. But to pray for someone is saying that we, that we care deeply enough that we want God to be involved in their life. We want God to have an impact. Because, and one of the things as you pray for someone is always there should be this question in the back of my mind, you know, am I the one that's supposed to answer this prayer? Am I the one who God's put in this situation to make an impact in their life? Because this desire to be spiritual comes because God has implanted in each of us a desire to connect with each other and to connect with God. Now, I believe this to my core that God designed us to be in a relationship with him. He designed every human being, every person to know his love and his presence and his grace and his mercy. That desire that we have, that longing for something spiritual can only be completely fulfilled by God. Now that's a statement that our world isn't always ready to accept but it's what we know is true. And what I want to encourage you to say, if you're longing for something, if you're saying, I'm longing for that connection, where you can find it is with Jesus. See, prayer is simply talking with God so that we can be connected with Him. There's nothing fancy. There's nothing crazy about it. There's nothing where it has to be elaborate or anything like that. Prayer is simply talking with God so we can be connected with Him. Prayer isn't a one-way communication either. It's two ways. It's about us speaking to God and Him speaking to us and having this conversation. And what happens is the more we do this, the more we're able to become aligned with who God is. And the more the, the version of me that God created gets to come forward instead of the version of me that only cares about myself. 
Because I believe the version of me that God created is a way better person than who I would be if all I cared about was myself. And that's what God wants for us. He wants us to be who he designed us to be. Now, maybe you're not convinced of this, and that's okay. Maybe, you know, you've, you've had the thought in your mind, well, prayer is just words that lead to nothing. And so what, the way we're going to kind of talk about this today is, is instead of talking about why we need to pray or why I think that prayer is such an important part, we're going to talk about three criticisms of prayer. We're going to talk about the three kind of main kind of reasons against prayer that we might come up with. And so the first criticism that often comes up, well, does prayer work? What, what does it do? See, one of the, the reasons why this comes up is people will say, if prayer works, why hasn't everything been fixed? Or if prayer works, why is there still suffering in the world? Or if prayer works, why do people get abused and hurt? See, this is an understanding about, of prayer where we're essentially actually thinking that, it, that prayer should work in a way that we get to boss God around and choose what he does. That just by praying for something, God should jump into action and solve and fix that. In fact, there's a, there's a quote from a pastor known as Kerry Newhoff. Uh, I want to read this to you. He says, Most people who say prayer works these days really mean God did what I wanted him to do, as if prayer was a button to be pushed to release exactly what they wanted from the vending machine. Prayer is not a button to be pushed. It's a relationship to be pursued. See, we can sometimes get in our minds that prayer should be a vending machine. That we go up, we, we put a coin in, we push a button, and what we want drops out the bottom that's full of salt and sugar. You know, we, we sometimes can get that in our minds that prayer should just be about us telling God what to do. Now, in fact, what that means is we're trying to take this relationship and turn it completely upside down and say, God, you need to do my bidding. You need to do what I want and what I desire. And again, that leads us to understanding prayer. It's all about me. But prayer is about a relationship. See, God wants to hear our requests. But what I see through Scripture and through how Jesus interacted with people and through time and time again is that what God wants deeper than responding to our requests is he wants that relationship with us. Because one of the promises of Scripture is that if we ask God to reveal himself to us, his answer is always yes. Now, we may not always notice the ways that he's been revealing himself, but God always wants to reveal himself to us. And so, in fact, there's a a passage of Scripture I want to take us to, and this comes from late in the Gospel of John. It's part of the last evening that Jesus has with his disciples before he knows he's going to be arrested. And Philip says this to Jesus. He says, Lord, show us the Father and we will be satisfied. He wants assurance. It's not a bad thing. He wants assurance. And Jesus replies to Philip. He says this, have I been with you all this time, Philip, and yet you still don't know who I am? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. So why are you asking me to show him to you? See, Philip wants this assurance. That's a good request. But Jesus is fully God, stepped into the world, who was revealing himself and teaching and sharing and understanding this is what it means to be in a relationship with God. And Philip, who spent three years living and traveling with Jesus constantly, is still asking for this assurance. But Jesus gives him an answer, just not the answer Philip wanted. 
Jesus tells Philip, you've already seen the Father. And in fact, Jesus goes on, and this is what he says in the next verse. John 14, verse 10. Don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? These words I speak are not my own, but the Father who lives in me does his work through me. He's reinforcing this whole piece of, you've seen me, so you've seen God. And then Jesus says, just believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe because of the work you've seen me do. I tell you the truth, anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done, and even greater works, because I am going to be with the Father. You can ask for anything in my name, and I will do it, so that the Son will bring glory to the Father. Yes, ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. Now, there's a lot that Jesus packs into this, into this response to Philip's question. And I just want to unpack a, a few little pieces of it. See, Jesus says, believe that, I am, that the Father is in me and I am in the Father because of what you've seen me do. He's reminding them of every miracle, every healing, every miraculous event that's happened, saying, you've seen these firsthand. That's the proof. And then he makes this promise. Anyone who believes in me will do the same works I've done and even greater works. And this was a passage of Scripture that stumped me for years because I was saying, God, how can we do something greater than Jesus? Seriously, how? What, you, what could you possibly mean by that? Because Jesus is Jesus. Jesus is fully God. We're still human. We're still flawed. We have our imperfections. And a little while ago, I was reading, a, I think it was a book or a podcast, and it just, just kind of unlocked this and realized, wait a second. Jesus was limited to only being in one place at one time during his ministry. But Jesus' whole plan was to build up the church to have people around the whole world who know him, who have the same relationship with the Father that Jesus had with the Father. See, there are many, many more of us now spread throughout the whole world who know Jesus than there ever was during the first century. This is what Jesus is talking about. You'll be able to do more and greater things because there's more of you who can tell people about God throughout the whole world. And then he says, You can ask for anything in my name, and I'll do it so that the Son can bring glory to the Father. The whole heart of this is this so that. We can ask God for anything, but there has to be a purpose behind it. See, if I just decide to say every single day, God, I'd really like a Ferrari, or I'd really like a Porsche, you know, what purpose would God have to fulfill that prayer? You know, I would get a pile of speeding tickets, You know, I would drain my whole bank account on speeding tickets in probably, what, two days, if that? But if my prayer is actually, God, I want people to know you. I want people to meet you. I want people to come to faith in you. Those are prayers that bring glory to God. Those are prayers that invite people into that relationship with God. And so there's this question of if we say, well, does prayer work? We have to start by asking, what's my intention? In fact, this is the first question that I want to invite you to respond to through the app of saying, what are some ways we can evaluate our intentions when we pray? What are some ways that we can evaluate our own desires when we pray? That when we ask God for something, we can say, you know, is this a prayer that God wants to answer or is this a prayer that's just about me? Because that's a question to wrestle with. I want to move on to our second criticism of prayer we come against is sometimes people will say, 
won't God just do what he's going to do anyways? I mean, why bother praying if God's already decided everything? And there's a, there's a term for this called predeterminism. And it's this thought that God has predetermined everything that will ever happen. And we're just characters living out what God's already decided and put in place for us. And there's a part of it that's comforting because you could say, you know, my decisions aren't my own. My decisions are just what God ordained and, and chose and determined that I would make. And so I could just make whatever decision I want because that has to be what God chose. But this whole premise is flawed. There's an issue with this. Because what this premise requires, it requires us to completely reject and throw away the whole concept of free will. See, God created us in his image. God created us with a purpose and a meaning. And when God created us, He gave us free will because if it wasn't the case, if God hadn't given us free will, if everything was predetermined, we're not in God's image. We're just robots. We're just programmed robots who have no choices. Now, a programmed robot can never be in a relationship. You can only be in a relationship with anyone if you have choices. You have a choice to say, yeah, I want to be in this relationship. We need our own volition, our own free will, our own ability to make decisions, because without it, we are just completely inauthentic. See, God chose to create the world. He didn't have to. God chose to create each one of us. He didn't have to. God chose to create us so that we could be in this relationship with him. But that also means for that to be a real relationship with any tiny bit of authenticity and any tiny bit of integrity means that God had to give us the choice to say, no, we don't want a relationship with him. Because that's the only way that a relationship with him is genuine, is if we have that choice. See, God gave us this capability to choose. And what it means is we get this responsibility because our choices can lead us towards God or away from him. And we have the freedom to make that choice. No one is forcing you to choose one or the other. And see, God has, God's not concerned or worried about that because he has this whole bigger storyline, this whole bigger narrative throughout Scripture from Genesis right through to Revelation that we're still in the middle of, of what God is trying to do in the world. Why God did everything throughout the Old Testament. Why God came with flesh on. Why God sent the apostles and why God sent the Holy Spirit to the church. All of this has to do with this bigger story of God redeeming and reconciling the whole world, everything he's ever created, back into a relationship with him. That's God's desire. The problem is, is we get to have this thing called choice, and we get to mess it up. And we get to say, no, I don't want to be part of what you're doing, God. I'm just going to live my own life. And God isn't going to force you to change your mind. But he's not going to give up on you either. See, God has this bigger storyline. He has an end goal he's moving to, and I think he even has a preferred path for how he wants to reach that end goal. And even when we choose differently, God can still redeem that and draw it back towards what he's trying to do. See, our prayers have a direct influence on what God is doing today. And to, to explain and go deeper into this, I want to go back to an Old Testament story Last week, we were talking a bit about Passover and the Israelites being freed from captivity in Egypt and how God displayed his power time and time again. And shortly after that, they go out into the desert and Moses goes up Mount Sinai to meet with God. 
And this is this time period where God is giving Moses the instructions and saying, okay, here are the boundaries. This is what it means to follow me. And and it's essentially the spiritual education of a whole nation. And so what's happening here is God, God meets with Moses on the mountain and all the people are waiting at the base of the mountain and they've just seen everything God has done to free them. And what do they do? They go to Aaron and they say, we want an idol. And so Aaron takes uh, an earring from every person and they melt it down and out comes a golden calf and they start worshiping this golden calf as the representation of what led them out of Israel or out of Egypt and towards becoming the nation of Israel. See, Moses is up there. He's gone for, you know, a couple days and everything falls apart. And God is angry. God is upset about this because these people that he just displayed his power, he just rescued them from captivity, have already turned their backs on him. And God says to Moses, you know what? I'm going to wipe them all out. You're the one who's faithful. I'm going to start over with you and your family and your children. God says, you know what? I can do that. I can just start over with you. And Moses intercedes. He prays. And this is what he says to God. He says, why let the Egyptians say their God rescued them with the evil intention of slaughtering them in the mountains and wiping them from the face of the earth? Turn away from your fierce anger. Change your mind about this terrible disaster you have threatened against your people. Moses, you know, this is that Moses is being bold and he's telling God, why are you wanting to do this? And Moses is safe. Like, God told Moses, I'm going to start over with you. Like, Moses is in the clear. He's not included in this punishment. And what happens is God changes his mind. God says, okay. And he gives Moses the stone tablets, send Moses down, and then Moses gets angry and destroys them when he sees the people because now Moses is, you know, super upset. But what Moses did changed the course. And he did it by reminding God, saying, look what your plan was. Look what your plan was. These people will come around. And so they carry on. So there's a question that comes up, and I hate this question. What would be the impact if every prayer you spoke in the last week immediately became true? Let's just thought experiment. What would happen if every single prayer for the last week came true? Would more people know Jesus? Or would our lives just be easier? Or would I be driving a bright red Ferrari? See, this is why we have to remind ourselves sometimes about how powerful prayer is. Because if we have small prayers and God answers them, small things happen. But the point of what happened here is God, Moses didn't say to God, you know, this is a great plan. You know, why don't you just make this distance between here and the promised land super short so my family can make it there in a week? God could have done that. And maybe he would have listened to Moses and the whole story of Scripture would have been completely different. But are our prayers big enough? And so here's this second question I want to ask. How can we make a practice of praying for things that are bigger than our immediate surroundings? How do we have a bigger prayer when we come to this? Because if the criticism is that God has already chosen everything, no, the truth is we get to influence what God does. So we can have an impact far greater than we can imagine. And prayer is the first step of that. So there's a third criticism 
that comes up when we talk about prayer sometimes. And that's this one. God doesn't speak directly to us anymore. And usually this, this actually starts from a really good place, but then gets taken too far. And it's saying, you know, we have scripture, God's written word preserved and passed down to us. And scripture is entirely sufficient for us to know God and to be able to live and follow him. But it's only that first part. See, one of the promises in scripture that keeps talking about is that God still speaks to his people even today, that God wants to continually speak to us because you don't have a relationship with someone where you just give them a pile of letters and then walk away. I mean, now, if, if, if you, uh, now, now, nowadays we would do it with our text or our emails, but I mean, I could pull up all the, the text messages that Nikki and I shared when we were dating and be like, okay, that's everything that I'll ever say to you, and now we'll just be married for the rest of our lives. But, but anytime you want to know something, just go back and read those texts. Is that going to work? No, absolutely not. That's not how God wants to be with with us either. Now, he's never going to say something that contradicts Scripture, but God is constantly speaking and wanting to. And, And let me just go to an Old Testament verse and a New Testament verse. Job 33, verse 14 says, God speaks again and again, though people do not recognize it. And then later in the Gospel of John, Jesus is telling his followers, as he says, my sheep listen to my voice. We can only listen to his voice if he's constantly speaking. Jesus says, I know them and they follow me. God desires such a deep relationship with us that he wants to be speaking to us constantly. And in fact, there's questions and topics that are, that scripture, the written word of the Bible is, says nothing about. You know, and even when it comes down to our own lives, there is no book of Brian chapter whatever that tells me, you know, hey, this is the next step you're supposed to do. It doesn't exist. But what God does is he wants to speak with us. And so we have to have this practice of saying, how do we learn to listen to God's voice? Because it's something that takes both practice and discernment. It takes a step of saying, you know, I'm going to try this. And then it requires us to to wrestle through and say, you know, am I hearing from God? Am I not? How can I hear from God? And this is something that's available to every single person. It's not just someone that has a degree or someone who stands up on a stage at the front here. This is why we do this conversation piece every week. Because it's part of saying we believe that God could be revealing and speaking things to any person in this room. And often he does. And so, let me just give you a couple starting steps. If you're saying, you know, I want to start to learn how to hear God's voice, start with prayer. Start with being thankful. You know, just make a list to God. Share some of the things you're thankful for. And then you can ask him a question, God, what do you see in me? God, what are you doing? God, where, what are the times in my life when you've been so close to me, but maybe I didn't see it? And just be silent, be still. And sometimes a thought might pop into your mind because one of the pieces Scripture talks about is the Holy Spirit loves to speak in quiet, soft whispers because you don't shout at someone you deeply care about when you're sitting next to them. You speak tenderly. You speak caringly. And that's what God wants to do with us. He wants to speak tenderly. Now, sometimes that what we hear is often the Holy Spirit speaking to us. Sometimes it might be our own thought. And so this is where the discernment comes into. How do I learn what is God's voice and what is just my own thoughts? 
And, and I'm just going to give a, a couple basic tests that you can do. You know, is, is the thought that comes to my mind, what's the tone of it? If I ask God, you know, show me a time when you were there. And, or show me what you like about me. And the thought that pops to my mind is, I'm just a terrible person. That's not of God. God is not going to say you're a terrible person. Because God's word time and time says again, we are his children and he loves us. So what's the tone of what God is saying? Secondly, God is never going to tell you to do something that contradicts what's written in Scripture. God is never going to tell you, well, just go lie to that person. That'll solve your problem. God's never going to tell you that because God wants us to be true and trustworthy. And we know that through Scripture. The other piece is that God will always say things more than once. And in fact, it's this piece of why we need to be in a relationship, why we need to be in community with one another. Oftentimes what God will do is he'll give each person a little piece of the puzzle because he wants us to work together to put it together and realize this is what it means. And so it takes this practice of, of taking what we've heard loosely at first, holding it with an open hand, and then maybe it means you sit with a coffee with someone, you talk with them, and you say, you know, hey, this is what I, I'm, I'm sensing from God. Does it resonate with you? Does it resonate with me? And wrestling through those pieces together. And sometimes we have to take a risk. Sometimes what God calls us to do will take us outside of our comfort zone. In fact, uh, a number of years ago when I, I was still the associate pastor here and I was just starting to preach, and I'm glad there's not many of you that were here then because they weren't great sermons, but you guys stuck around, so thank you. But I used to write a full manuscript, word for word. Every single word I was going to say from the front here would be written out. And I would basically kind of read from it. It was my crutch. It was my, my safety zone. And this was, my, I remember deeply, my, my fourth or fifth sermon I ever preached here. And I'm about halfway through, and I'm coming up to this next passage of Scripture, and I just had this impression that was the Holy Spirit speaking to me, saying, you need to talk about it this way. You need to talk about this instead. And I had a moment to make a snap decision. I could follow that and go with it. But that meant leaving the safety of my manuscript behind. And so what did I do? I went, no, God, this is my manuscript. I'm sticking to it. I felt sick to my stomach. I thought I was going to throw up on stage the rest of that morning because everything just fell apart. I couldn't keep my train of thought straight. I couldn't communicate, and somehow we made it through the 12 and walked out of here, and I went home, and I felt sick the whole rest of the day because I realized something instantly in that moment. I completely missed out and rejected something God was trying to do because it took me out of my comfort zone and I wasn't willing to take that risk. I was too focused to say, no, this is what I thought you were speaking to me through the week as I wrote this. I'm going to stick to that. I wasn't willing to pivot and wasn't willing to make a shift. See, I know now when I have that same impression, that same voice, that same sense of you need to do this instead. You know, I don't always get it right. But I remember that moment, what it felt like when I rejected it. And I can choose to say, no, I'm going to listen this time. So here's this third question. What might you have to do to start listening when God speaks and discerning what he says? What might be a first step in in, in how to practice this to say, how can I listen to this a little more? And so we're going to take a moment right now. If you've typed something into the app, it'll pop up here for me. And I'll just share some of 
some of what's popped in. I don't know if it's an error with this, if nothing's popping up. But the other thing we'll do is Drew's got a microphone here. And so if you, let's start with that first question. What are some ways we can evaluate our intentions when we pray? What comes to your mind? And and I'll just get you to, if you can stick up your hand, Drew will bring you the microphone so we can all hear what maybe kind of you feel on this. So what are some ways we can evaluate our intentions when we pray? Any thoughts on that? Someone's got to be thinking something. (laughs) Your wife. Um, I think that it's it kind of goes beyond just when we pray. Like, we just always have to evaluate our intentions. And so if we start thinking about it all of the time, um, it's going to bleed into everything you do. So evaluating intentions while we pray is very important, but also kind of all the time evaluating your intentions and what you're doing and why you're doing it and and what the results might be. Um, But also uh, for number two, I felt like, just so powerfully when you put up the scripture of Moses praying, just how bold he was that he just straight up told God, no, I don't think that's what you should do. And this is crazy. And God listened and, and changed his mind, which was wild. And so to just keep in mind that we do have, um, kind of power in our prayers and, um, we can be bold too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That boldness piece of prayer. And it's, it's sometimes, I mean, I'm often guilty of it. God, if it's your will, maybe you should, you know, have this person that needs to come forward for baptism come forward. That, that's, that's a pretty vague prayer, but that's, that feels more comfortable because it gives me an out. If, if that doesn't happen, I can be like, well, I said, God, if you want. But Moses didn't say, God, if you want, rescue these people. He was bold with it. So thanks for pointing that out. Any, other, any thoughts on the, either that first or that second question? How can we make a practice of praying for things bigger than our immediate surroundings? What, what comes to your mind? I'm okay with awkward pauses. I think for me, when I, when I notice if I'm taking time to just be before God... Um, it's not as, or it feels a bit more dry when I'm just doing my list, right? Mm-hmm. So I think it's really important that we're having a pause and that we're acknowledging that we are really trying to have a conversation because you can go through it and do your list and move on, but it won't be as rich and it won't be as rewarding and it won't be as relationship-like if I haven't had space for even a minute of just be quiet. And it's hard if you have kids in life and everything goes on, but lock yourself in the bathroom, I don't know. Take a minute and just be quiet and give God a chance to give you those impressions, to change your heart, to give your eyes a chance to see beyond what's immediate. So I think that's important. Yeah, taking that, that moment of stillness. Psalm constantly, the Psalms constantly come back to this one theme of saying, you know, be still and know that I am God. You know, if God wants to speak in that whisper, are we giving space to hear it? Um, I think for me, something that helps me Um, make a practice of praying for things that are bigger than my immediate surroundings is to actually talk about it or learn more, either like actually asking people how I can pray for them, which is something that we don't necessarily do often anymore, but actually bringing it up. And then that would 
immediately open things up to more than just my own surroundings. And even being aware of things that are happening in the world or things like that, just learning more, I guess. Mm -hmm. And part of that is just asking people, hey, what's on your heart? What can I pray for? What have you been praying about? You know, like just talking to each other about prayer. Yeah, exactly. That whole point of, of we'll never know what we need to pray for if we're not being aware or even creating opportunities for us to hear. And, you know, even, hey, to plug our Connect cards, if there's something you want prayer for, you can fill it out on one of those cards. And our we have a prayer team that meets every Wednesday morning, and they go through those prayer requests, and there will be people you don't even know praying for your situation, praying for what it is you're asking for prayer about. How about this third question? What might you have to do to start listening when God speaks and discerning what he says? What's maybe a first step in that of of being able to hear and discern God's voice when he speaks? I think uh, stop listening to an unquiet mind and take pause, Mm -hmm. you know, and uh, realize that uh, God's somebody that can make a change in your life. Mm Yeah, so that stop, take a pause, and, and, and realize that relational part of it. I think for me, it's uh, being open to hear God. In other words, I haven't got my mind made up. If, if he says something I'm willing to, to consider uh, is a big thing to start. Uh, the other thing I found in discerning, God often uses personal pronouns when he speaks. Mm-hmm. Uh, not just general scripture but personal pronouns I or you things mm-hmm. like that very interesting mm-hmm. any last thoughts on this third question or just over on this side Drew sorry I'm just going back to the sort of the second question uh, one of the one of my favorite verses is in, from Daniel chapter 3. So, he says, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they say, if we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God whom we serve is able to save us. He will rescue us from your power and your majesty. But even if he doesn't, your majesty can be sure that we will never serve your gods and worship the golden statue you have set up. So, very often, you know, we, we put God in a small box and so we should be in a position to say that even if he is not answering our prayers, we still serve that mm-hmm. sovereign God. Yeah, and that's, that's a key part is, is sometimes God doesn't want to answer our prayers or we feel like he's not answering our prayers just because he's being malicious and just saying no. But sometimes we don't recognize that, that there's something bigger in play. Or in their, pay, in, you know, in their case, that, that's the story from Daniel being like, you know, they said, we're not going to compromise our beliefs. So we'll take whatever consequence comes because we know the depth of our relationship with God. And so they didn't compromise on, on what they felt God was calling them to do in that moment. That's why it's such a powerful, powerful story in Scripture. See, prayer is how we communicate with God. It's not something that needs to be eloquent or needs to be certain words. In fact, Jesus spoke pretty critically of the people that, that believed there was some ritual ways that you had to pray a certain way. Jesus actually tore that down. And the, the template for prayer that he gave 
was a relational prayer, was a simple prayer. See, one of the things that we're going to be doing here at our church, um, I'm kind of giving a bit of a promo, and maybe you've heard a bit about this already, is coming up in the fall, we're going to be running a, a six-week course called Hearing God. And it's, it's for anyone who says, you know, I want to learn to pray more. I want to learn how to hear God's voice. We're going to do this as a, as it's a six-week course. It's going to happen probably midweek in an evening. And it's going to be a time where you can come and say, you know, we really want to dive into what does this prayer and listening to God and discerning his voice, what does it look like? And it's something that's really simple. It's something that, to be honest, is something that's been really affecting my walk with God in a huge way um, when I took this course almost a year ago now. And it's been shaping and changing my relationship with God in such a richer way. And so it's something coming up in the fall that we're going to be promoting and talking about a lot through August and early September. We're looking at kind of a mid-September start date for this. But you don't have to wait until then. You can do the things that we've talked about here, where it's taking that time to quiet ourselves before God, taking that time to be thankful and drawing ourselves into his presence, taking the time to ask God for, for specific things, sometimes big things, sometimes bold things. And take the time in your prayer just to be quiet and listen. Maybe ask God a question. What do you see in me? Where, what are times you've been present in my life that I may have forgotten about? And just, just wait and see. Sometimes God might say something incredible to you. And if you hear something and you're not sure about it, you know, don't just set it aside and file it away. But, you know, talk with someone about it. Talk with someone who might have a little more experience than you, or maybe they might have the same thing that God's been speaking to them. Because, again, God delights in talking with us. We can develop this as a regular practice. We can grow deeper in our walk with God just by choosing to communicate with Him. That's why prayer matters. So let me take a moment. Let's pray together before we wrap up. God, thank you that you desire such a deep relationship with us, that you want to speak with us and connect with us on a personal basis. Father, we thank you that even in your word, you promise that you still speak today. And Father, I pray that we would grow hearts and ears and minds that become tuned to your voice, that we would hear you speak. And Father, even if we don't know where we're at in a relationship with you, Father, I pray that you would start drawing our minds to the times when you've been present in our lives, the times when we've been aware that you've been close to us. And Father, would you speak to us? Would you reveal to us your love for us? Would you show us who you are, and the depth of the relationship you created us to be in. And so, Father, we come before you as a church asking these things, desiring to hear your voice, and I pray that it would shape who we are as a community of faith to impact our city, to impact our world, to impact our country, for you and who you are. In the name of your Son, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Folks, I hope you have a great week. Next week, we are launching into a new sermon series called Crazy Like Us. And if you want to know more about it, you have to come back here next Sunday. Have a great week. We hope this message helped you to take the next step in your faith journey. If you're in the area, we'd love to have you join us Sundays at 11 a.m. You can find out more about us by going to mygrandvalley.ca.